It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast. Bill Rossetti of Panthers Wire hitting you guys back up here on Friday, November 9th. It is recap day, and that's all it's going to be. It's This is a far from victorious edition of Locked on Panthers, as yesterday was anything but, uh, you know, I'll, I'll use a word, I'll, I'll steal a word from my buddy Mark Schofield of Locked on Patriots, obviously got to go check him out, uh, he always calls Victory Monday a glorious victory edition, well this game was anything but glorious for the Carolina Panthers, it started off pretty well, but then it turned very ugly very quick. The final score was Pittsburgh 52, Carolina 21. Just an ugly, ugly game, basically from start to finish. Now, you know, there were a couple highlights. You know, there were there are a couple nice things to talk about. Not many, but there are a couple. Number one being... Uh, Christian McCaffrey, uh, three touchdowns, three touchdowns in the game. So basically, he did all the scoring for Carolina. Uh, he ended up carrying 14 times for 77 yards and a touchdown, and had five catches for 61 yards and two touchdowns. So, you know, McCaffrey did get his, which we kind of expected. But really, that was about it. The only other highlight I would say in general would be the first drive of the game for the Panthers, in which they just marched down the field so well. I mean, they, you know, handing the ball, basically handing the ball off to McCaffrey and just letting him do his thing. You know, he had a couple passes in there, but for the most part, it was just a lot of running by McCaffrey. So overall, that first drive was just very, very good. They just marched down the field, and you just had that feeling that, or at least that early feeling that this was going to be a shootout like we expected. And then things just got very ugly very quickly. The next play from scrimmage after the first McCaffrey touchdown is Juju Smith Schuster. 75 yards down the sideline for a touchdown, and the extra point tied the game at 7. And then the next play from scrimmage after that, Cam Newton gets pressured. He's pretty much in the end zone, tries to throw it away. You know, he's just about wrapped up. I believe, if I remember, was it TJ Watt or whoever it was? Um... Almost had him for a safety. McCaffrey's or Newton's just trying to make a play and throw the ball, but it's just one of those ugly throws when you're under duress and it just lands right in the hand of the defender and the Steelers walk into the end zone and before you know it, it's uh, 14-7 Pittsburgh, not even five minutes into the game. And then 
Uh, not long later, it's 21-7 Pittsburgh, and then the game just got ugly from there. I mean, they they didn't completely get away from the run game, but you know they they did kind of get off their game a bit once the game got as ugly as it did. So, I, I mean, what what really can you say? And I mean, number-wise, at least for Cam Newton, it wasn't too, too bad. He was 23 of 29 for 193 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. But other, and at least receiving, again, McCaffrey led the way with 61 yards. Greg Olson, four catches, 40 yards. I mean, at least six receive. they continued to spread the ball around. Uh, six, plant, six Panthers excuse me, each had at least three three catches in this game. McCaffrey had five for 61. Olsen had four for 40. DJ Moore had four for 20. Curtis Samuel had four for 18. And then Devin Funches had three for 32. And Jairus Wright had three for 32. But, again, it was just the early part of of the game where the offense... Looked good, and then the game just completely got out of hand for them. But, I mean, credit the Steelers. You know, that offense just was top-notch all game long. I mean, they went, what, seven straight possessions, I believe, scoring some points. Uh, most, you know, most of their touchdowns, or most of those possessions were touchdowns, obviously, and then they had one 50-yard field goal by Chris Boswell, and I talked about, you know, we discussed throughout the week, of course, of what we kind of thought would happen as far as Bradbury and Jackson and how they would defend A.B. and Juju Smith-Schuster. Well, as it turned out, Dante Jackson basically got the A.B. role almost all game long, and I mean, there were times, not many, but there were a couple times that Jackson was able to stick to him, but for the most part, Brown just completely dominated him, including the one touchdown where Brown just flat-out beat Jackson. And, I mean, look, it's speed on speed, so I can understand why they they tabbed Jackson with the, with the task of covering A.B., but, I mean, look, Antonio Brown is arguably the best receiver in the NFL. So Dante Jackson clearly, and yes, you know, Mike, but well, this was James, I'm sorry, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. I was going to mention James Bradbury, or I was going to mention Mike Evans, but that was James Bradbury. Um, Dante Jackson certainly has not faced a receiver the caliber of Antonio Brown yet this season. And this was just one of those rookie games for him. You know, a rookie against a star receiver. I mean, usually we kind of know what way that's going to turn out. Uh, I, you know, credit the Panthers for giving it a shot. But in the end, it just didn't work. And, I mean, even on the other side, Juju Smith-Schuster, he, he still got his. And overall, the offense... Let's face it, the Steelers' offense was basically perfect because... Uh, ben Roethlisberger's quarterback rating was perfect. It was a perfect 158.3 as Roethlisberger went 22 of 25, 328 yards, 
and five touchdowns. And, I mean, you talk about spreading the ball. Pittsburgh had, what, nine receivers each catch a pass led by the dynamic duo themselves, of course. Antonio Brown did six catches, 96 yards, and a touchdown. Juju Smith-Schuster, three catches, 90 yards, and a touchdown. You also had Vance McDonald, who had a touchdown. Jalen Samuels caught a touchdown. And Jesse James caught a touchdown. So five touchdowns to five different receivers as the Panther, or as the, the Steelers really got everybody involved. The Panthers just had no idea what to do. They, I mean, they, they just looked dumbfounded all game long. Let, let, let's, let's be honest. Let's face it. They were dumbfounded. The Steelers were throwing everything at them, and the Panthers couldn't do anything about it. And that's really what it came down to. And the other thing it comes down to is, remember, if you recall, Tony and I talked about pass rush and these offensive lines being a key factor in this game. Well, as it turned out, it made a huge difference because the Steelers got to Cam Newton Five times, while the Panthers only got to Roethlisberger once. I remember I said, I think if one of these teams can generate pass rush, that team is going to win because these teams had both showed that they have very good offensive lines and did a very nice job protecting their respective quarterbacks over the last couple of weeks. Well, when you win the sack battle 5-1, to one, you are typically going to typically going to win the game. And, you know, again, that's that's exactly what happened here. And turnovers also also were a big deal. Um, again, the interception the interception by Cam Newton, which ended up being a pick six. Uh, Curtis Samuel lost that fumble on the kick return. So two Two turnovers for the Panthers, while I don't believe the Steelers had any. No, they Roethlisberger had a fumble, but it was recovered, and then Chicolo, of course, recovered the the Samuel fumble. So there's the difference in your ball game right there. You win the sack battle five to one. You win the turnover battle two to nothing. That is typically going to add up to a win, and. Usually it does add up to a, a pretty good win as well, and this game was no exception. Even third down, the Steelers dominated and were just so effective on third down. They were actually 8 of 11 on third down. They did not punt until the fourth quarter, while the Panthers were just 4 of 11. Again, that's another thing, and I know Troy Aikman talked about that a little bit as well. Normally when you're that effective on third down and you're you know not punting the ball, I mean like I said the Steelers I think only punted twice while Michael Pilardi had to punt five times. That usually wins wins you some games. Um, I'm trying to find see if funnily enough the time of possession was almost even. Uh, 30, basically a minute difference, 30-35 for the Steelers, 29-25 for the Panthers. So it's almost amazing to think, 
So actually looking at that number, it's almost amazing to think that uh, that the time of possession was so close. But, I mean, you figure, too, that helps. that's helped by the fact that uh, the Steelers' first two touchdowns were in a matter of moments. The, the one-play drive, 70, 75 yards to Smith-Schuster, and then the... Uh, the, the pick six on the next play from possession. In fact, just looking at an article quick on ESPN from David David Newton, uh, these teams actually set a record, according to the Elias Sports Bureau. They did something that no two teams had ever done in the Super Bowl era. They Those three touchdowns came in a span of 23 seconds. The first three touchdowns in that first quarter a span of 23 seconds. That's a record for the shortest span between three touchdowns. The previous record was 26 seconds by the Patriots and the Raiders in 2008. So a lot of interesting numbers, but obviously the two numbers that mean the most, Pittsburgh 52, Carolina 21. So we'll take a quick break, come back, and of course we got to talk about the other big story of this game, and that was the ejection of Eric Reed. We'll come back, talk about that, but first I want to, of course, shout out our friends over at LoKI. Remember, game day collection, 25% off their entire game day collection using the promo code PANTHERS25, and remember, these, these bracelets... They are, are just top-notch. I've got one here with me right now, actually. Again, they've, they've got the Panthers team colors, the blue, the silver, the black. It's got the Panthers logo on it. So if you want one of these bad boys for yourself, and remember, they, they deliver a great message to give a good balance in life between all the highs and the lows because we all deal with them, so we just have to just keep moving forward in life. So it delivers a great message, and they're, they're fun to wear. I wear them all the time now. So, again, if you want one of these for yourself or any of the other teams that they have, Panthers 25 at the checkout at lokai.com. So go check them out today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And of course, later on, we'll give a shout out to my bookie because we'll do the rest of the Week 11 picks against 
straight up and against the spread from my bookie. But, like I said, we've got to touch on the Eric Reed ejection. Late in the third quarter, Ben Roethlisberger is scrambling, slides for the first down, and then you see Eric Reed coming in and deliver a bit of a hit. The referees talked it over. We, we knew it was going to be a personal foul. It was just a matter of, was Reed going to be ejected? And as it turned out, they did disqualify him from the game. After the game, Ron Rivera, of course, was asked about it. And he said that he felt the ejection was unwarranted. Well, I mean, I personally believe it's hard to argue against the ejection because... You know, these are the kind of hits that the NFL is trying to outlaw and try to, you know, crack down on. And that that's why they're they've essentially made what amounts to the targeting rule from the NCAA. That's that's basically what this is. He he essentially got flagged for targeting and was tossed from the game. And I mean you know, you could debate whether or not he led with his helmet, but you you can definitely tell that Ben's head moves as Reed is coming, or basically after Reed comes in. You know, the, the head does look like it kind of jolts to the side and hits the ground. So it's essentially you almost have to think it's it's almost is essentially the action of the play. That led to the ejection. And, you know, as, as unfortunate as it is that Reed, that Reed got tossed and the Panthers were without one of their leaders there for a bit of the third quarter and, the, and all of the fourth quarter, let's face it, this game was already out of reach. The, the way these two teams were playing at that point in the game, it was already 38-14. The Panthers were not coming back from that deficit. And, of course, it was a few plays later, the Steelers score again, and it's 45-14. So you go into the fourth quarter, down by 31, and then a couple plays into the fourth quarter, and they score again with Jalen Samuels putting the 50-burger up. This game was was out of hand. It was The loss was already chalked up for the Panthers. So, again, as much as it stings that Reed was kicked out, it really wouldn't have made much of a difference if he was still in the game because this defense was not stopping the Steelers' offense. They, they couldn't stop him worth a lick from start to finish. It, it was just a complete game for the Steelers, top to bottom. I mean, I, I don't think there was any spot where the Panthers had the edge in this game. The Steelers just dominated... Every facet of the game, especially in the trenches. I mean, it looked like most of the pressure came from inside and like from the interior guys, which sucks because we've spent a lot of time recently talking about how great the offensive line had been playing over the last couple of weeks. Remember, they were playing some good defensive fronts. Washington has a very good front. Philadelphia has a very good front. Baltimore has a very good front. I mean, it's not like they've been playing slouches 
on opposing defenses. But this was just a game where the Panthers were just flat out dominated every step of the way. And I can't help but think how much closer this game could have been or probably would have been. And it, it goes back to what Tony was saying when we did the, the crossover, and he had a very good point. How much closer would this game have been if this game was on a Sunday? If both teams had a full week to prepare for each other, particularly the Panthers being on the road. And my, my worry came true. The road woes just continue for Thursday teams. Only the two teams, the Eagles and the Broncos, both won on the road on a Thursday night. And, of course, we've had a couple games. For as good as we've expected, we thought this Thursday schedule would be going into the season, there have been a lot of blowouts. I mean, and I, I kind of ran through them the other day. San Francisco blew out uh, Oakland. Denver on the road blew out Arizona. The Eagles on the road blew out the Giants. And now you add last night to the mix, the Steelers blowing out the Panthers. You hope next week is a little bit closer. I mean, next next Thursday, at least on paper, uh, looks pretty good. And it's two teams that have a, a, a good history against each other. And that's the Packers and the Seahawks. Even like in, throughout the 2000s and obviously the 2010s, you go back to that 2014 NFC Championship game. These two teams have had some very good games against each other. So hopefully next Thursday is a bit closer or hopefully a lot closer than what some of these other Thursday games have been. But the bright side at least is that now the Panthers have that mini buy since they've played on Thursday. So now they'll get those couple extra days off. They'll play on they'll play a week from Sunday now. On the road again against the Detroit Lions. And I, I got to give a shout out here. I, I keep mentioning crossover because I love it. Uh, I, I love doing them with all the hosts. But uh, I did one last year with Matt. Matt Derry of Locked on Lions since the Panthers and Lions played each other. And he's an excellent guy. Obviously covers the Lions very well and just does a, a great job with his podcast. So very much looking forward to chatting with him next week about the Lions and the Panthers. But they, they certainly need these extra days off now because they've got to lick their wounds. I mean, the, the players basically said it best themselves. They got whooped. I mean, they, they just flat – I mean, Jairus Wright said, the way we got smacked today makes, makes you want to make sure you never get smacked like that again. And he's right. You know – when you lose like that, it is a bitter pill. It, it's a tough pill to swallow. And like I, I said, the bright spot is that they have the couple days to get ready for the lines, but it also means it's a couple extra days now that you kind of are dwelling on the loss. A couple days of a couple extra days before actually playing a game to try to erase the memory of this bad loss, but I mean, in the end, it, it just turned out to be a bad matchup for the Panthers. It turned out to be a great matchup for the Steelers. I think the Panthers get back on track next week. 
we've seen that the Lions are have definitely taken a step back after trading Golden Tate. Uh, they, they also cut Amir Abdullah, as we saw, and re-signed Zach Zenner. So, you know, I, I think the Lions are starting to look ahead now to the future. I, I, it seems like maybe deep down they've kind of admitted that this is probably a lost season for them. You know, they, they are... They're sitting at three and five right now, coming off a twenty-four to nine loss against the Vikings, and this week they've got the Chicago Bears, the NFC North leading Chicago Bears, on the road. In fact, two of their next three are against the Chicago Bears. Of course, after they play the Panthers, they have that short week getting ready for the Thanksgiving game against the Bears. So, like I said, I think they bounce back here, but. It is a bit of a tough stretch now that the Panthers are going into. This was the start of four out of five on the road at Detroit next week, then back home against the Seahawks, and then you've got the Bucks and the Browns on the road. Now, granted, the Bucks and Browns obviously are lesser teams, but they still got to go on the road. But hopefully, they can come away with wins. You know, ideally, um, you win. It'd be nice if they can win these next four games. I, I would imagine, nonetheless, they'll be favored in the next four games. So it's still very possible that they really bounce back from this one and get back to 10-3 and three by the time they finish that that Browns game. Uh, or in other words, 10-3 and three going into the big three-week stretch with the Saints twice and the Falcons to wrap up the season. So as ugly as this game was, I think things are still looking pretty good for the Carolina Panthers. I still expect them to make the playoffs. They are still the top wild card for the moment. And actually, I believe they'll, they would remain the top wild card no matter what, because even if the Vikings win, I believe Six and three is still a better win percentage than six, three, and one. It's actually quick math. I'm about to look it up on the playoff predictors, but quick math tells me that six out of nine is two thirds. Six and a half out of ten is just a shade below two thirds. And if we bring it up here, I believe. Just give me a minute. By, by the way, um, I'm, I am using playoffpredictors.com, their NFL and the NFL page on here. It's a great app if you want to go in and check out uh, pl- playoff pos- playoff standings. And you can go in and pick all the games and essentially create your own scenarios in terms of you know what needs to happen for your team to make the playoffs. So it's, it's a really great Really great app to you. So here we go. So with Carolina losing, they're at six and three. Even if Minnesota, oh, I'm sorry, that's right. Minnesota's on their bye this week. That's right. But Minnesota's on their bye next week. But even if say they they would beat Chicago, oh, that would actually that's right because Chicago. Let's say Chicago beats Detroit and then Minnesota beats Chicago. Minnesota would actually take the lead in the NFC North, and then Carolina at six and three, Chicago six and four, 
So then even if Caroline would lose next week to the Lions, uh, they would actually be behind Chicago. Chicago would have a better conference record. But nonetheless, they are, at least in terms of Week 10, because, again, we're looking quite ahead. In terms of Week 10, the Panthers are still atop the wild card standing. So, like I said, really... Uh, really no need to panic at this point. Still a long way to go. They do lose a little bit of ground in the NFC South as they're now two back in the loss column to the Saints. But again, two of the last three are against the Saints, so they can easily make that up very quickly. So I rambled quite a bit on that, and I want to get these my bookie picks in. So before we get into the picks, I want to remind you guys about my bookie. Remember, they have great services online, great user-friendly um, site, na- site uh, navigation, and of course, as far as the betting, you can bet during the games live, you can bet over-unders on the fantasy points, you can do all sorts of great stuff, uh, and not just NFL, but obviously they've got all the sports, they've, they even had, you can bet on the, or you were able to bet on the political races so if you you know if you wanted to put money on say the democrats taking control of the house which they did you could have bet on that or you could have bet on the republicans holding holding on to the the senate i mean there's a lot of stuff you can do it's a lot of great stuff and again if you wait until after 7 p.m and use the promo code uh locked on 25 my bookie will not only match your initial deposit, but they will give you an extra $25 in free play on top of your match deposit. So you can get a lot of free money by signing up with my bookie. So again, my bookie, check them out online. Use the promo code locked on 25 after 7 p.m. and get that extra $25. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day in free play. And so let's jump into it. Let's look at the rest now of week 10 of the NFL season, picking straight up and against the spread. We'll start at we'll start at MetLife Stadium where the Buffalo Bills will take on the New York Jets, both teams without their quarterbacks. Josh Allen, of course, still dealing with that right elbow injury. He has been limited all week, but don't know if he is going to go. Looks like he's going to be out. Of course, Derek Anderson still dealing with the concussion injury. So we had Nathan Peterman, and he's been bleh. We don't really have to say much more, but of course, uh, the Jets will be without Sam Darnold with his injury, dealing with a foot injury. So Josh McCown is going to get the start. Jets are minus seven, but, I mean, the quarterback battle, if it's Peterman versus McCown, you obviously 
got to give the edge to to McCown. Uh, I it's a seven point spread, but the way Peterman has been playing, I think the Jets will probably get all over him, and McCown will do enough to make this a pretty decent win for the Jets. So I'll actually take them to cover that seven point spread. Falcons are minus six and a half at the Browns. Browns just continue to be a mess even after the firing of Hugh Jackson. Falcons look like they finally found their footing. Three straight wins. They're right back in the mix. I don't think they should have a problem with this one. I think they'll cover that six and a half spread and win this one pretty easily. Uh, Also, a Pretty similar. An NFC South team, six and a half point road favorite at an AFC North team. The Saints at the Bengals. And of course, we talked about the Saints now with Des Bryant. Bengals are a decent defense, though, as we talked about, and they're coming off their bye. But will will the Bengals offense do enough to keep up with with the Saints, especially without AJ Green? A lot's going to fall on the shoulders now of Tyler Boyd, so it's it's going to be fun to watch him step up as kind of the leader, and if John Ross can finally step up and be the receiver that the Bengals had been hoping for when they took him with the top 10 pick. I will, I will take the Saints to win this one, but I'm going to say the Bengals, after having a couple weeks to prepare, they might keep it close, but I think they'll, they'll fall short. So I'll take the Bengals against the spread. I'll take the Bengals with the points, but I'll take the Saints to win straight up. Buccaneers are a three-point favorite against the Redskins. We know the Redskins are banged up with injuries now. They lost, uh, I think, a couple offensive linemen. They've lost Paul Alexander. They could be in trouble, especially with the Eagles breathing down their necks. I'm going to take the Buccaneers to kind of buck their trend a bit. Uh, kind of get off the schneid and get the win here, and I'll take them to cover that three-point spread. Patriots are minus 7.5 at the Titans. Uh, Titans looked pretty good on Monday night against the Cowboys, but can that offense continue to be good enough to keep up with the Patriots? I'll, I'll say the Patriots win, but I'll say it'll be just shy of the 7.5-point spread. Packers are minus 10 against the Dolphins, but the Packers have been struggling. I don't know. I think they could win this one at home, but I don't know if they're going to win this game by 10 points. I'll take the Dolphins with the points here, but I'll take the Packers straight up. Uh, Colts are a three-point favorite against the Jaguars. Who would have thought that coming into the season? But that's just the way the teams are playing. Uh, and you have to like the way the Colts are playing. I And interestingly enough, I talked about the playoff predictor. I played around with that a little bit, and I actually had the Colts sneaking in as the final playoff team in the AFC. So I'll take the Colts to win, and I'll take them to cover the three. And um, I, I'll just run through the rest of these real quick now. So I talked about the, Bear, the Lions, their seven-point underdog at the Bears. I'll take the Bears, and I'll take them to cover to seven. Chiefs are minus 17 against the Cardinals. That's a huge spread. Uh, I would take the Cardinals with the points there. I think the Chiefs win, but um, I'm 
I'm always weary with those big spreads. I'll take the Cardinals with the points. Chargers minus 10.5 at the Raiders, but that one I will take the cover. The Raiders are just bad. Chargers are playing fantastic. I think they can win by at least 11 there. Uh, Rams minus 9.5 against the Seahawks. It was close last time these two teams met, but that was in Seattle. This time it's in L.A., but I'll say this will be a close game as well. I'll take the Rams straight up with the Seahawks with the points. Eagles minus 7.5 at home against the Cowboys. Cowboys look like they're a mess. Eagles are getting better. I think I think the Eagles can cover this spread here. And then the Giants plus three and a half. So the Niners are three and a half point favorite against the Giants. Giants got to go cross country on a Monday night. I'll take the Niners and I'll take them to cover the spread. So there's your week 11 picks for from my bookie. And... Before we get out of here again, shoutouts to my bookie, shoutouts to LokiI, shoutouts to Blue Chew, Vivid Seats for their continued to support. Blue Chew, of course, promo code locked on to try their products for free with just a $5 shipping. Remember, it's the first chewable pill with the same ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. So you know they work. Or they're they, def- they can definitely help you get that extra confidence in bed, so go check them out. Again, that's BlueChew, B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com. And, of course, Vivid Seats, where if you check them out on the Apple Store or Google Play, use the promo code Locked On and get $20 off orders of $200 or more as a new customer. So, again, Locked On at BlueChew gets you a free Free opportunity to try their pill. Just pay the $5 in shipping. And then, of course, Vivid Seats, locked on promo code, gets you $20 off orders of $200 or more. So that'll wrap it up for this edition of Locked On Panthers. We'll be back next time, likely Monday. Uh, Tried to get uh, a guess, but... Likely, we'll be back Monday to recap the rest of the Week 11 action and start getting you guys ready for, or the rest of the Week 10 action and start getting you ready for Week 11 against the Detroit Lions. So once again, rough night for the Panthers, but I think they bounce back. Final score, Steelers 52, Panthers 21. Panthers now 6-3 on the season, but still looking pretty good in terms of playoff positioning and in terms of just you know how they stack up with the rest of the NFC teams. So with that, we'll get out of here. Thanks so much for listening. Really do appreciate it. Again, follow me on Twitter at Bill underscore Rossetti, R-I-C-C-E-T-T-E. Enjoy the weekend, and we will see you next time right here on L-O-P. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. 
Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.